Find a righteous range and don't be afraid to say what you see. For KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580. Um, and I'm joined in studio by another candidate. It's going to be that season. It's that time of year, folks. And I'm trying to help me <laughs> and you to start paying attention. So that's what we're doing. Um, joining me in studio is an educator, organizer, and foster mom, born and raised in LA. She's been involved in politics and activism from the time she was actually elected student body president in elementary school. Uh, and she says she's dedicated her life to dismantling oppressive systems one by one and being a drive, driving force for justice and liberation. Shade. El Hawari, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you um, you're in the heat of campaign season uh, yes. right now, and um, there's a lot of people running. You're running for assembly for District 57. It's yes. it's a pretty crowded field, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, four other candidates. We are uh, running hard, though. I think our race. And our campaign has really been making an incredible amount of progress. And, you know, we're running our own race. And one of my opponents, actually, um, someone who I uh, had dinner with a couple months ago, he said, I'm not running against anybody. He said, I'm running for my people. And I think that is exactly uh, what this race is about. It's making sure that we're running to represent our folks. And that is so important, um, no matter what. It's not about, you know, who, you know, trying to fight against anybody or, or running against anybody. It's truly about running for our community. And so I'm really looking forward to just continuing to, to make it toward the finish line. As you mentioned, ballots are coming out in the next couple of weeks. They actually will be mailed out on February 5th. And uh, and it makes a huge difference for people to know that there's an election, know what's going on. And, and all of us are doing that. Yeah. Well, um, and it'll be here. I know it doesn't seem like it, but it'll be here before we know it. You are running for assembly, 57th district. This is pretty big, uh, pretty big deal. It's it's a state um, a state representative office, but this is, will be your first time in elected office, right? Yes. Um, so other than elementary school. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that counts. It counts. Uh, I guess I can say I've been in elected office. I was a, I was a student body government uh, representative in college, but nice. I haven't, I haven't uh, had a seat since then. It's been a minute. Um, why, why not go, you know, dog catcher, school board, uh, local party representative, why start at a statewide, you know, kind of relatively big seat for your first time in, in, in office? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I wasn't looking to run for office. I was an organizer, an educator, and a lot of that means that my role was always behind the scenes. It wasn't someone who was at the forefront of, um, you know, what we often kind of think of as elected officials who uh, are are running based on their name recognition, running based on kind of um, that level of notoriety, uh, positive notoriety, hopefully. Right. And so I think for me, um, ha- you know, when everything went down with the city council, I was working on Mayor Bass's campaign. I loved the work I was doing. But I think because of how much I was even more emboldened and really passionate, I think folks started to take notice. Um, and I was recruited to run. And so a part of what's going on at the state level is that 
the the goal is really to achieve parity, especially in terms of gender balance. Uh, men have historically been in roles in government roles um, and elected roles in majority and, and sometimes there have been no women. And so it's incredible to see like the board of supervisors that are now all women. But for some spaces, um, we're still trying to even achieve a, a 50-50 split. And in particular, um, I was recruited by an organization called Close the Gap uh, that's really looking to achieve gender parity in the state legislature. And uh, in this seat in particular, I was, um, I think, recruited because of the way in which the community itself has shifted. And so being really mindful of, you know, who can ensure that we are able to have a black seat while also representing Latinos in a way that I think is really important. And that came from, uh, I think, the conversation in city council that that also showcased folks that were really trying to battle for Latino political power and really pushing black political power out. Right. And of course, the reason you say that is because you are Guatemalan and Egyptian. Yes, ma'am. Um, and you said your dad identifies as black. My uh, dad black. does not identify as black. Okay. Yeah. So I identify as black um, partially through my understanding of my history, partially through my politicization um, in college. Um, but I think uh, with I, Egypt I being think, in Africa. Yes. And I think there's a lot of Egyptians, a lot of Middle Eastern folks who don't identify as black well yeah and and, and some of them aren't i mean a lot of them are 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 arab of arab you know arab colonizers as opposed to the european colonizers um and that we can do a whole other show on that just because you know the time i spent in tanzania i learned how many what a huge percentage of the arab populations probably do have um african phenotypically sub-saharan African blood in their veins, but that's another show for another day. Yes. How was that received by your dad then? You're like, well, I'm black and he doesn't see yeah. himself as black. That's such a great, great question. Honestly, I think that, you know, growing up my, I, I grew up in a, a very Latino neighborhood as a young person. Right. And I didn't really understand my Egyptian side with the exception of my dad was Muslim and we didn't celebrate Christmas, and my grandma wore a hijab, and I always thought something was a little off about that side. I didn't understand that it meant that, you know, my dad was from this other place and culturally what that meant. And so in a lot of ways, I just really kind of honed in on my Latina identity because everybody spoke Spanish. We're in California. We're in L.A. Everybody's, not everybody, many people right. are Latino, right? And, and so, you have that, um, your look is kind of uh, much more universal brown, so yeah. you could, you know, you could be a lot of things right and so um i went to high school my my sister was actually kicked out of middle school we were in lausd at the time and my mom said well if one of you is not going to be allowed to go to this district we're gonna have to move you both and so i went to pasadena for high school which was uh and specifically in the high school and the school system was black and brown and everyone was like you're egyptian you're black what do you mix with and i'm like i'm egyptian black like they're like yeah you're african and i'm like yeah i know i'm african but my family they're not black like you know, phenotypically, they don't necessarily fit into that box. And uh, I got a lot of kind of, I feel like people who would push me to like really learn more about my history, my Mm -hmm. background, what that meant. When I got to college, I was actually um, part of the class of 96. So there were 96 black students out of the entire uh, 4,500 student class, uh, freshman class. And again, folks were like, you're one of us. And I'm like, yes, and but I I think there has to be like I have to be very clear like I would never want to misrepresent who I am my family looks like this this is what this means and the more I learned about myself and my history the more I learned about Egypt and ancient Egypt the more I understood 
that a big part of what happens in 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 all of history is erasing as much as possible the understanding of blackness especially when it comes to positive impacts that we've had so ancient egypt being the the in so many ways right the the bedrock of civilization of this understanding of all these inventions all these incredible discoveries and no these aren't black people according to the world right ancient Egypt, are you sure it was black that's what they think and and i think it's just so important to be really mindful about taking that narrative back recognizing that in my family um i have been able to help shift some of our folks but but overall i think there's still such a stigma around blackness in the world it's the black diaspora like the, yeah that's white supremacy and and then so that's that's a big part of, of but my, but you also um, are an, or are an organizer with Community Coalition, which is famous for that. It's in the name Coalition, right? Um, black, brown, and everybody who is uh, residing in South LA and has um, you know justice values is welcome in that organization. Absolutely. Tell me what role that plays in you know not just in your identity but in your advocacy um, across different ethnic groups yeah so community coalition actually does a race retreat every year and or excuse me every few years maybe every three to five years and they actually shut down the organization for about a week and the entire organization goes through uh, a, a kind of learning of race a, a deepening of our understanding around you know race as a social construct but also in terms of the social and, and historical context of race in the United States what that means, especially for Latino and black folks in a space that's really trying to push for solidarity, understanding that coalition piece doesn't happen on its own. Right. It doesn't happen um, spontaneously. You have to do the work. You have to put in the work to really understand and push in a way that I think grounds us in the work to to really work together. Um, and so luckily, I was actually introduced to Community Coalition because I had been such a student activist at UCLA I was part of the African Student Union which everyone was like of course you're welcome to the African Student Union you're Egyptian like there's no question there and then I started to really get involved when I went to Harvard I was part of the Black Student Union and folks were very much like Shade, of course Shade and I think there was a part of me that always wanted to say but but let me explain and they were like nothing to explain there's nothing to explain we know who you are we know what that means we know that you understand and so in a place like Community Coalition when we go through a race retreat, you talk about your story of self and being able to deepen even that, right? Like, I think my uh, my own understanding of my identity has also been impacted by things like being baptized at a Baptist church here in South Central by a black family, excuse me. And, um, and at the time, right, again, I talked about I didn't necessarily identify in that way, but it really shifted my understanding of, wow, like, why I felt so uh, much, so, so much comfort, so much of a, a of a... Uh, a, a level of affinity that I think, you know, you learn as you grow up and you understand your own story and, and what kind of shaped you. And so I think Community Coalition absolutely uh, helped me to understand the piece around solidarity in a way that that was is, is how I've built who I am, my career um, and really my identity in a lot of ways, too. Talking with Sade Elawari, she is in the race, in the hunt for the uh, assembly seat uh, for the 57th district. When we come forward, I want to talk about how these coalition politics, um, identities, uh, cultural informations, um, how they infuse into policy and how they uh, infuse into your outlook and your plans for the 57th should you be elected. That's next on KBLA Talk 1580. 
More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. We're not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Shadeel Hawari is my guest. She's running for the um, Assembly District 57, an open seat, which is why I guess there's four major contenders for it. Um, and you, you know, you've been an organizer since you were a kid. You um, have been a member of the Community Coalition, which is known for that, for um actual solid functional um, solidarity between different groups, particularly black and brown. I myself was on the board of that organization for many years, so I'm very familiar with it. And you talked about intersectionality at the top of this conversation in terms of what it takes to hold on to seats, what it takes to be able to fully and deeply represent a community that is no longer majority black, um, I, I don't, I haven't seen the breakout for the 57th, but I'm assuming that it's like many of these districts where it's pretty ethnically diverse. So how does this consciousness about, um, coalition that you have from your work with Coco, along with your personal story, which is embodying, you know, multiple ethnic groups in one human being, uh, something I myself, uh, do, how does that inform you in terms of policy and, and yeah. what you want to bring to the table as a lawmaker? Absolutely. I think, you know, first in the kind of break uh, breakdown of what happens in Sacramento, I will absolutely be represented on both the Black and Latino caucus. I think that's a, a, an important kind of space to occupy. Meaning you'd sit on both caucuses. Exactly. And I'd, uh, I think in, in really thinking about that, really understanding what it means to also uplift um, in each of those spaces and an opportunity to, to ensure that we're not doing anything in either of those spaces that is um, uh, going to be, you know, hurtful or harmful. And one, one undermining the other. the other. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's I think that's one kind of more uh, kind of structural piece in, in, at the government level. But I, I really believe in being an organizer through and through, even when I'm in office. And so looking at, you know, who's at the table when we're making decisions, who is part of that you know, inner committee that is able to help us really truly understand um, how we are representing our folks. And so I think that takes, you know, in, in various aspects of legislation, being able to have, uh, you know, black and Latino folks in that kind of inner circle um, every time there's a piece that's specific to, let's say, mental health and or uh, housing, that in those spaces, we always are mindful of a race balance. I think I also, you know, gender balance is also important for me. But I, I think in general, really being thoughtful around who is at the table when we make decisions. So it never feels like we are doing something that is uh, ultimately going to undermine either community. Um, but that ultimately, we have shared struggles, very similar struggles. And so the extent to which we ensure that we are going uh, above and beyond to represent for our folks, I think is important. And the last thing I'll mention is I participated with the L.A. County's uh, anti-racism, anti-racism, diversity and inclusion initiative with the state of black Los Angeles report. Uh, and a lot of that is really looking at in a state like California that doesn't allow us to utilize race in, you know, a lot of what we um understand to be important spaces that we must highlight race, they talked about targeted universalism. When we understand what black folks are going through and uh, and ultimately do what we can to dismantle anti-black oppression and, and in general improve black outcomes, we know that we're actually uh, 
because we're targeting a group that has most uh, been uh, impacted negatively by the system, that we are going to impact everyone positively. And so I think really being mindful of that as well, recognizing that that's the kind of work that we need to do. I'm looking at Ballotpedia. I always have good information. And looking at your race, um, aside from yourself, who is Egyptian and um, and Guatemalan, you have um, two other Latino ca- uh, candidates, or that they're obviously. Well, I don't know. Obviously, I haven't talked to them yet. I suppose we probably will. They're invited, um, Efren Martinez and Dulce Vasquez, who don't ha- have a black identity. There are identity identity is Latino. Are you, do you feel like you're getting the acceptance from the Latino community um, as being Guatemalan or being a representative uh, Latina because of your black identity? Oh my gosh. My name, someone, someone told me, they said, you have that funny name thing going for you, like Barack Obama. You're going to have to convince people that you're black and that you're Latina. And so I think in this particular case, I think it is an uphill climb in some ways, which is really interesting because I shared with you that I grew up really understanding my Latina identity. Right. And yet there's this uh, there's almost this kind of at least from my from my what I've been feeling. Right. No one will tell you this outright is there's this hesitation. Like, is she really going to represent uh, Latinos? Because she seems like she's really uh, much more leaning into her black identity or people will say, just be honest. You're more black than you are Latina. And I'm like, what does that even mean to be more one than the other when truly who I am is both? And I think in, in understanding that we are in a place that wants to box us in and running for, for office, right, there's a very clear sense that who is the Latino candidate, who is the black candidate, yeah. and being a black and Latina candidate does not uh, fit neatly into that. Which so. is uh, it's honestly kind of dumb because I call it the California blend. I mean, you are Guatemalan and Egyptian, but there's so many people that are Mexican and black mm-hmm. or Guatemalan and black. I mean, that why is this a mysterious but... It, it, I, I can see that, um, and maybe if you'd like blow dry your hair straight <laughs> and put some blonde streaks. <laughs> no, but I for sure, like, you know, I, when I speak in Spanish, people are blown away. When I, you know, people are like, why don't you add your mom's last name? Then people will know that you're both. First of all, what's it's, your mom's last name? It's Vasquez, which okay. is Dulce's last name and also Aura's last name uh, and uh, who's running for CD10. You know, like I I just don't believe in being inauthentic to run for office. I recognize that there are ways that can help someone win and get closer to that. But that's just not who I am. And if I try to change myself now, then who's to say that I'm not going to do that when I'm in office? You know, when I'm actually representing our folks, it's just not who I am. But I recognize that that makes everything that much harder, right? And that I have to do the work to really help people understand who I am. It means I need to show up at the doors. I need to be on the phones. I need people to to hear me and hear my volunteers and hear our community who really understand, oh, Sade's been about the people. Sade's worked at Manual Arts and Fremont and Fauche. Sade's done this work for her entire career. This is who she is, who she, what she cares about. So she's always going to care about us no matter what she does. It doesn't matter what her name is. And even with Sade, right? The people have no idea how to pronounce that who don't understand who the singer is, mm-hmm. right? I get Sade, Sadie, you know, in Spanish. I get all the things. When I say Sade, there's like, why don't you have an H in your name, right? All, all of that. But I think ultimately, <laughs> you know, like who I am is, I think, represented in, in just deeply embedded in who I am in a way that 
means that we're going to just do the work because we're, that is, I'm an organizer. That, that's what it takes. It takes relationships. It takes calls. It takes showing up. And you just mentioned you were having a launch event. Speaking of you being an organizer. Yes. This Saturday, um, we're doing our kickoff event. Uh, it's going to be our uh, canvassing kickoff um, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's going uh, to take place at our Unity House, our headquarters uh, on the corner of Vermont and 53rd, 944 West 53rd Street. Um, And I know for some folks, um, I know you just had Supervisor Mitchell on, if I'm not mistaken. She also has a kickoff right after, so you can come to mine and then go to hers. (laughs) Um, But we're very much uh, excited to to knock on those doors, especially uh, because we're in the Vermont Square area, really looking at Vermont Slauson, Vermont Knowles, and really hitting up the communities that are... Kind of starting with the center or the Coco Center and, yeah. and radiating out. What's your website um, if people want to? They can show up at 53rd and yes. Vermont Saturday at 9. Yes, my website is shadeforassembly.com. That's S-A-D-E-F-O-R-A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y.com. And you can also sign up for our canvassing um, at bit.ly, uh, bit.ly slash Sade kickoff. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. I love that you always like to show up and uh, talk to the YouTube people as well as the people on the terrestrial radios. Uh, Shadeh Alwari, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to be talking with Congresswoman Barbara Lee next. Man, it don't stop around here. KBLA Talk 1580.